brother. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, well, first of all, let me simply say that um, someone mentioned that a picture is worth a thousand words. And since we may not have pictures today, we'll have at least a thousand words, okay? So, uh, 40 pictures, so we need 40,000 words. If, if my fourth grade math, second grade math is correct. Okay, um, I have a, a, this is all impromptu, but I really just want to share my heart, and my wife likes to chime in now and again, so if, if she does, I hope that's, I hope that's okay. I, I know the Bible says, let the women be silent in the churches, um, and she promises never to preach, but um, she does, she, we, we are uh, uh, sort of joined uh, inseparably in life and in ministry, and without her, um, I'm not even half a man. So anyway, uh, the, the thing that, as Cherry and I have talked about being here, uh, we wanted you guys to know, and some of you are new to the church, and some of you have been here the whole time, um, and we've gotten to know you a little bit, not as much as we'd like, but we, we really can only come about once a year, if that, and that's because you're so gracious to invite us, and, and uh, it's like coming home. But we want you to know how much we appreciate this particular church. Uh, Redeemer has been with us for 10 years now, and we, we don't take that for granted, uh, and we really, really, really appreciate your continued prayers and your financial support. Uh, we feel like we have partnered and you have partnered with us and everything we have done in Uganda and others that we work with have done, not just Tim and Sherry Hope, but we have a team over there and we're all on the same page and we all do our jobs trying to achieve the same essential goal. And so uh, we, we just really, we really, really appreciate you guys. You've, you, because of you and other people like you, we're fully supported. And we're not seeking few, uh, more support. In fact, we, we simply usually ask if, if there is a desire for uh, uh, con, uh, additional support, that it overflows to our students for, for student support and and things like that to, to help our students. A lot of our students, most of them, in fact, could not even come to ABU were, were it not for uh, scholarships that are given by mostly people from the West, England and in America. So anyway, I just want to make sure I've communicated that very clearly, how much we really, really appreciate your partnering with us over these years. Uh, some of you know some of the things, or maybe you've forgotten. I tend to forget everything, so <laughs> I'm just glad to... I'm, I'm glad to remember anything these days, but, but I did, I did want to say that we, Cherry and I, uh, drove around the area a little bit yesterday on our own just to have some fun, and we went to, to uh, Concord, and we're driving along, and she looks over, and she says, uh, 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 she's trying to get it out, she said, is that, is that Bill, is that Bill and Jane? And I looked and I said, it's Bill and Jane. So we drove around until we could find a parking place. They were walking. They were on their walk. And I don't know how far you guys walk, but I'm very, I'm very impressed at, at 72 years of age, you're still walking. <laughs> Praise God. 
<laughs> well, not quite. <laughs> but anyway, so Cherry, we parked the car, and Cherry and I got out of the car, and, and well, no, we, we did some speed walking. We, I don't run much anymore. <laughs> so we were on one side of the street. <clears throat> they were on the other side. They'd not seen us, and I told Cherry, don't say a word. Let's just catch up and meet them. So we got ahead of them. We crossed, and then we met them coming this way, and I was amazed they actually recognized us. So <laughs> that was a good thing. Okay, just, uh, and again, we may have some audio-visual in a few minutes. If we don't, that's fine. But I wanted to talk to you uh, about African Bible University, why we're there, what we do, and why we want to continue, and um, how the Lord has uh, worked in our lives up to this point so that uh, we're, we're going to do something a little bit modified for a while, and we'll see how things go. But um, I, I went over, and Cherry went with me, uh, in the spring semester of 2008 for a pastoral sabbatical. And, and some of you have heard this two or three times probably, and, and uh, I, I apologize, but a lot of people haven't. And um, it was a pastoral sabbatical for one semester. I'd been to Uganda a few times for pastor conferences and, and things like that. And uh, Dr. O. Palmer Robertson uh, the last time we went in 2006, when we got back, he invited me to come for a pastoral sabbatical. Our PCA church in San Antonio was in the process of planting another church, and um, it's not good for the pastor to leave during that process or even immediately after because the church is sort of uh, regrouping and reconfiguring because some of our people went to plant this church, and, and we were very excited about this. Very positive thing, but... Anyway, I, I put him off for two years for a pastoral sabbatical, and after the two years, then I and the elders agreed this time is propitious for such a thing, and so off you go, guys. And so we went off, of the, the church sent us off for a semester, and um, I, I don't even know how to explain it, because I, I, at that point I was about 60 years old. I know I'm 70 now. I know I don't look like it, <laughs> and I don't act like it. I do feel like it today. Because yesterday we were at the Steels and we played wiffle ball, and I, I learned something about wiffle ball. It's, I can't run anymore. But anyway, that's, that's only a tiny aside. Uh, <clears throat> during the semester, the more I taught, and I taught a theology course, and I taught a, the book of Exodus and a preaching course. And the more I taught, the more my heart began to knit with the hearts of the African students. And I can't explain it. Uh, I had intended to stay in my church for about another decade, and I thought at age 70 I'll, I'll sort of reevaluate and see if, if I should still be an active uh, full-time pastor, and maybe at that point I'll go on the mission field. And uh, the Lord uh, uh, changed that by 10 years, which is the probably, well, it is the biggest, well, the first biggest surprise of my life is that my wife said yes when I asked, would, would you marry me? That was huge. Well, that was huger than huge. It was huge, huge. But this change in, I won't call it a change in vocation. I'll just call it a change in ministry field. It's the same essential thing because I'm still a pastor. I still teach. I still do the things I always did. I just do it in a different context uh, with a different um, um, goal in mind, 
and that is to train others to go out and do this. So that's my ministry field, is I'm not really a missionary so much as I'm a trainer of the African people who will be going and doing the mission work. It's fantastic. I mean, I can't believe I get to do this. I'm not worthy. Uh, why God would let me do this, I have no idea, but he does. It's, it's extremely humbling when you stop and think about it. So at the end of that semester, I had two students come to me and say, Sir, would you come back and teach us rightly that we can go and teach others rightly? And I was just, as we say in Texas, I was floored. I mean, I was just, I was just floored that, that my students, I'd taught them all semester, would actually want me to come back. But they did. And so uh, during that time, also Dr. Robertson invited uh, uh, me to come back at full time, which was also a shock that he would want me. And I went home and told Cherry, I, I sit down for this, but I think the Lord is calling, calling us to Africa. Or maybe I said calling me to Africa. And, and she has this motto, whither thou goest, I shall go. So she's a good wife. And well, she, she stole it from the Bible, but that's okay. Uh, we give the Bible full credit. But, but anyway, um, she said to me, well, I already knew that. I'm not, you're not telling me anything. I, and I said, you've known? Well, of course I've known. And she had just seen how my heart had been knit to, to, to the students. And at that point, she wasn't teaching. She was just there to be my wife and to host people and to do all the things that wives do. Uh, but, but she had been a school teacher for 25 years. And um, she's the best teacher I've ever watched teach. So I figured at some point she will also teach. So anyway, long story short, we went back and got permission from our elders to go and got permission from our, our presbytery, South Texas Presbytery, to go. And so then we went back in the spring of 2009. Now, um, that's right at 10 years. I think we're into the 11th year now, but my, my math skills are, well, they're challenged. Um, so... Here's the, I mean, here's the gist of the whole thing. Um, we are there uh, for one basic purpose, and that is to give our students the best biblical education we can give them, to teach them how to study the Bible correctly, and I, we don't say that arrogantly, but I mean with a good hermeneutic, to investigate the scriptures for themselves and to teach others the truth of God's word. So, uh, as we also say in Texas, that's like saying sick them to a junkyard dog. I mean, to give me the opportunity to do that is, I couldn't dream of, of a better life to spend than doing that very thing. So, we've done that now for 10 years, and it's not just Cherry and me. She also teaches there. I I teach theology, systematics. I teach biblical courses. Right now I'm teaching the general epistles in Genesis. Um, I teach um, biblical geography, and that is a very exciting course. I've been to Israel a few times. It's really very cheap to fly from Entebbe to uh, Tel Aviv. And the last time I went, uh, I rented a car and just drove around the country because I'd taken a formal course there, and I just re-studied uh, uh, re everything. And so anyway, I teach a course in biblical geography, which has been very helpful for me 
understand the Bible and hopefully for my students. I teach a preaching course. It's um, rather um, humbling to teach these students to preach because they, they're an oral culture and not a reading culture, which means that they speak really well and they speak naturally. And um, I was mentioning to someone yesterday that I put off speech until my senior year in college because I was so frightened of crowds, which means if I'm standing before you today and speaking and words are actually coming out of my mouth, it's supernatural. Um, and, then, and then after seminary, I went to graduate school and got saved the first semester, and within three months of salvation, I knew God was calling me to pastoral ministry. This is 1972. So that I was going to be a teacher and a preacher was a, a paradigm shift of the largest proportions because I was... I, I, I never spoke in front. I never spoke in front of people, and all my business courses. When we had to give presentations, I, I would never give a public presentation. I would go to the professor's office and give it privately and take a grade reduction just so I didn't have to stand in front of a group of people. I'm not kidding you about this, and you know I have C's on my transcript that should be B's and B's that should be A's simply because I would not give a public presentation. So, so the Lord changed all that. And, um, and, and I teach this uh, a, a preaching course now and again at ABU, and I'm always amazed that my students just have this natural ability to speak. They love to hear themselves speak, and they do it really well. The words just roll off their tongue. But here's the trick. <laughs> will they say anything, number one, that's true, <laughs> and <clears throat> number two, will they say it in a cogent way that holds together? And the answer is, to the first question, no. And to the second question, not a chance. So we have to teach them to think biblically, to speak biblically, and to speak in an organized and coherent way. And that, that's, in preaching, that's essentially what we do. Don't have to teach them to speak. They can speak. But just to do it in, in a way that actually makes biblical sense and holds together. So... I teach that course, and I've taught counseling. Um, I, whenever someone goes and lead, I teach a leadership course, leadership and ministries. It's a it's a, a very exciting course because it intersects the culture, and we deal with with the cultural issues that hinder biblical leadership. And my students, as I was talking to Tim yesterday, my students actually come up with the, with the areas they believe need to be covered. I let them do that every time. They always come up with the very same things. And it's because they know their culture better than I. And so we address those issues. And that would be, uh, just to give you an example, um, one of the issues would, would be tribalism. You could expect that. Immorality is huge. Um, family, they, don't, they have a sense of family, but not a, a biblical sense of family in that the, the husband is the leader in the family, and the husband and the wife actually train their children in the things of the Lord. The, these guys are often very hands-off with the actual training of children, so whatever they pick up, it's from their peers or just observance of the way things go. So Cherry teaches a course in biblical child-rearing. It's the most popular course on our campus because our students really desire to have a biblical family. They really do, and they don't. Culturally, it just doesn't exist. So she teaches that course, and uh, she also teaches um, 
creative writing and, and English literature. And so those are three courses. With the English literature, she teaches them about the different genres of literature. And it, it's really beautiful because one of, one of our colleagues teaches biblical hermeneutics. And so a lot of the same issues that he deals with in biblical hermeneutics intersect with what she teaches in English literature, figures of speech and different literary genres and so on. So we, we have these students in a non-reading culture, and one of our goals is to create a desire in them to read and a love for reading. And guess what? By the third year, they, it's four-year university, by the third year, I will ask the students, oh, do you like to read now? And their eyes will brighten and say, oh, yes, sir, we like to read. By the fourth year, they're actually wanting us to give them books to take because there's not a real availability of books. So during their four years there, they have to read a lot. And for them to read a four or 500 page book is uh, unthinkable, but they do it because they don't get a grade if they don't. And by the time they've done that a few times, now they're really, they're really beginning to engage in it and see the, see the advantage of reading good books. Oh yes, we, there's a church in Oklahoma uh, that is pastored by a friend of mine uh, from seminary days. And we were part of a little Calvinistic conclave at seminary, and we sort of held together with our, our uh, Calvinistic uh, theological uh, beliefs, and it sort of uh, bound us together and with a, a group of fellows, and he's one of the guys, but he pastors a church in Oklahoma City. Their church, every summer, they say, okay, you have $1,000. Uh, you can use it any way you want for books, but what we recommend is that you buy from the Banner of Truth Trust because their books in the month of July are 50% off. So I get $2,000 worth of books every July that I take back to Uganda and I give to my students and require them to read and report on books. Uh, books like, well, books from, say, Sinclair Ferguson. And uh, another book that I used to, I don't get from them now, but I get from Westminster Press, is uh, John Murray's Redemption Accomplished and Applied. I mean, solid theological works. So uh, we, we, we don't give them uh, junky books. We give them real substantive books. So um, Reform Doctrine of Predestination by Lorraine Bettner. I bought a bunch of those and took them over and have given those away and put them in the library. So anyway, I and other faculty members do this sort of thing to really give our students a love for reading. Now, the, the presentation that we hope uh, shows up uh, for, for video, I'll kind of walk you through some of that. Um, what we've done in the past is we have shown you a lot about African Bible University itself, uh, the people there, the, the campus, and so on. And this year, what we put together, actually, Cherry put it together. She's the, the brilliance behind this. Uh, well, she is. And uh, it, is, um, it is the fruit of ABU's labors for the last 13 years. ABU started in 2005. We came in 2008. But it's the fruit of the labors with our graduates who have gone out and her, who they, they are, well, they're our heroes, really. Uh, they are doing the grassroots, hard work back in their villages, back in their context. Uh, they have uh, passport and insight uh, 
opportunity that we as Westerners would never, ever have. It's not a racial thing. It, it, it's really more of a cultural thing. And, of course, it is racial in the sense that we, we look a lot different uh, than the African people, and they, they recognize that very quickly. But it's because we're from the West, and we don't have their cultural background. We don't really understand them as they are in their day-to-day -day life. Uh, and that's, that's okay, because we can train these guys who come out of the villages, and then they go back into the villages. So we have one guy, if I get to show you this, and I, I hope it works out, we have one guy who's up in the, in the north of Uganda, and he, his name is uh, Wilson Okot, and Wilson was one of my very best students, not, not merely academically, but his heart. And so he, he was a single guy at ABU. He went back to his village. He married this wonderful young lady. They now have how many children? Two or three children. But he has started a school. If I get to show you the pictures, you'll see the school. Now, it doesn't look like any school you've probably ever seen because it's not painted. It's uh, not pretty. Uh, it's, um, it's rough. But nonetheless, it's a, it's a, it's a series of rooms in a, in a building or two where they can hold classes for small children, and they're going to work their way up from K through 12 over time. Now, the brilliance in this, and he's one of a number of guys doing this, the brilliance of this is Wilson, at the same time he started the school, he started a church. Okay? Now, if you're a pastor in Uganda... The church does not financially support you. You support them. And so, and so uh, all of the guys that go out have to be tent makers. And one of the greatest ways to make tents there, now that they have their degree from ABU, so they're, most of them are qualified to teach and to administrate a school, is they start a school, the community people really desire their children to get an education so they can go on from uh, primary school, secondary school, high school, so they can go on to university. Uh, I mean, there, I, I, I have never seen a culture of people that have that desire that everybody, they want all their children to end up as university graduates. It's, I don't know where that comes from. But it's an amazing thing. So if you start a small school, you will have students. And you charge the parents to send their students to your school. And you charge less, just a little bit less than other people at first. This is a marketing technique. And so you gather students and they find out the quality of work that you do at your school and what you produce. And their, their kids come home knowing stuff and learning. And so they're amazed at all of that. Here, here comes the backup. So this is, this is something else. This is Jay. This is not something else. So as he's trying, I'm going to keep talking, and I'll keep talking about Wilson in, in schools. So Wilson is, the, is not the first guy to start the school and do this sort of thing, but he's doing it. We have pictures of his school, and we have pictures of me with a group of people after church, because I went there and preached in this little room. We were like sardines, and I didn't take a picture of the room, but we're like sardines in a little room 
uh, and I'll give you the dimensions of the room. This is, this is about from right this wall, right back here to the pulpit, and over this way, jam-packed with chairs, with windows for ventilation. We were thankful for the ventilation, but there's probably 50 people in this tiny room, and we're all just jam-packed like sardines, and I'm preaching, and they're singing, and we're doing all the things, essentially, that we do in worship, and they are, they are very jubilant. There's no paint on the walls. I mean, it's very rough. I can't even... I think they had a concrete floor, as I recall, but oftentimes they wouldn't. And, and so that's, that's, that's the school, and it combines as a church right there in the north of Uganda. So that works very well. He's getting there. Okay. Oh, do you, do you need my thumb drive? Okay. I brought three in case one fails. Again, I have math issues. This isn't the best one. I give you my best thumb. A thumb forward. Yes, sir. Okay. <coughs> another pick. Another um, <coughs> slide that I hope to tell you, uh, show you, is um, a, a, I don't actually have a picture of the school, but I have a picture of the, of some of the children, along with myself and um, a couple of, of uh, one alumni. Uh, one alumnus and uh, one current student who came out of this school up in a village and uh, the, mi the missionaries there are, this, this is what fascinated me, are actually Ugandan people that started their own mission for children. I mean, that's what you want. And of course they got help from the West to establish it because they didn't have the means, but they had the vision, they had the heart, they had the willingness to work. And so they also combined a, ch a church. But they have about 400 students. And they take them all the way through. They, what they do, at this particular ministry, they, they take orphans from dumpsters and other places, little infants that have been dumped off that would die. The police call them and say, we found another one. Would you come take this kid? And, and so they, they come get the, the little infant child that would die because the mother gave birth and she was probably a prostitute. She gave birth. She didn't want the child and it's just too much trouble for her. And so they, they pick up the child. They bring the child. They nurture the child from infancy. They have surrogate mothers. They, they nurture the child from infancy up to first grade, they, kindergarten, first grade. They start school. They go to, all the way through uh, the 12th grade and now they're ready for university, and they're free to go to, if they can get somebody to help them, they're free to go to any university in, in Uganda, and there are a number of universities, but African Bible University is the very best Christian university. And so uh, we get students from them, and we're starting to get more that come to ABU. Well, I and one of the students and a, an alumnus and another faculty member all went for the weekend and preached and taught at this uh, school and church 
and we we got to see all of that and see how the Lord is working. So uh, that's that's kind of a synergism between different ministries as as we help one another, and we we take them they get them up to a certain level because they're not interested in being a university, and then we take them to through university studies. So and the young man that went with me, if I get the picture, his name is Timothy. So that's a hard one a hard one to forget. Um, we have another couple, Daniel and Jalia, and Jalia is a Muslim name. Uh, she was a Muslim. She came from a Muslim family, and she came to faith in Jesus Christ, and she kept her name rather than taking on a Christian name so that she would have an inroad back into the Muslim community with her family and others for evangelism. And she and Daniel, uh, Daniel graduated from ABU. Actually, they first got an art degree from McCary University, and then they came to ABU for a, a biblical training. And so Daniel graduated. Daniel's a very fine preacher, and a really, he was a really good student of the word. He's a good teacher. But they, they've started with, with their art skills. They've started a jewelry business. And this jewelry business has, has become pretty large. What, what's the name of the American Noonday uh, What happened with them, they were going to go with MTW, and then M MTW told them, you have to raise your support. Well, they didn't have any way to raise support, and so they would just, we thought you were going to send us. Well, we, no, we, all our missionaries raised their own support, and they didn't really know how to go about doing that. And so the Lord opened up what I think is a much more strategic ministry for, for, for them, because what will, I think what will eventually happen is they will help other, other people as they become Christians other people start a small business of some sort and also employ um, community people and have the heart to use their ministry as an evangelistic tool. So, um, well, I, I wanted to talk about Rogers. Uh, we have two guys that, that were, you know, if you, if you teach, there are some students that really stand out and some students that get through and do okay, but some that just really, really stand out. 
And we've, we've had two guys like that, uh, well, more than two, but one of the guys, his first name is Rogers, and his last name is Antoine Bimberi, uh, which I finally learned to pronounce. You know, Hoke is monosyllabic. Tim Hoke. Anybody can say Tim Hoke. But my African friends have mul multiple syllables and my multiple names, yeah, m but my t tongue gets twisted. So it took me about three years to say Antoine well, you see. I say it in his presence, and he laughs at me. So anyway, he was probably my most intelligent student, uh, and he, work, he now works for a mission organization called um, ACFAR, and it's African... I forget what the acronym stands for. It's an apologetics research ministry, and so, so he also pastors our church, which means he's bivocational. But our church, it's, we, we do pay him a salary, which is rare in Uganda. But, but anyway, he works for ACFAR. He travels all over uh, Africa speaking to university students um, about the um, um, Christian faith. He's a Reformed Presbyterian guy. Our church is Reformed Presbyterian there. He, he, but... Uh, to give them a biblical worldview and to present Jesus Christ as the Bible presents Jesus Christ in contrast to the cults, which are very, very prevalent in uh, all of Africa, but especially our area of East Africa and Uganda. And so they, they've actually written, a, I think, a 12-lecture, 12-study uh, manual to take take students through, and so they, they will go and have seminars. So they have a, it's a, it's a profound ministry. There's a freedom to do that still. It likely will diminish over time, but, but there are they're, uh, they're taking advantage of the opportunity while there is... Oh, here we go. That's it. Oh, wow. This is exciting. <laughs> we'll go through this very quickly, but if you get to see the pictures. Okay, we, we need lights. Or no lights. By the way, any of the fancy stuff that you see, I didn't do any of that. It's Cherry's creative skills. This is our front gate of African Bible, our front wall of African Bible University, and uh, this was taken before the razor wire. Someone gave, gave me some money to put razor wire around uh, our 30-acre uh, campus, which you really need in Uganda because of uh, theft and all sorts of uh, dangerous things that go on. But this is what we're about, teaching the treasures of God's truth, and uh, Dr. Robertson uh, is uh, adding to that, taking every thought captive for Christ. So those would be the two primary things, and then the third would be training servant leaders for Christ. So we have three essential things that we do, and it's all, uh, it all rests on teaching the treasures of God's truth. We can keep going, sweetie. I'll go through these pretty rapidly. Uh, 
I don't know if you recognize anybody in this picture, but this is, I'm on the far right over here. Uh, I'm the standout guy. Uh, I look a little different. Um, but this is my systematic theology class. I have, a, I have a friend I was in presbytery with years and years ago in South Texas, and he's, a, he's an accountant and a very, very dear friend uh, and an elder uh, back there. Not, he wasn't in my church, but he was just a friend. But he gives me T-shirts for the number of students I have at, in my systematic theology class, and you can't see it very well, but these are the five solas. So all my students wear five sola t-shirts. And this was the five sola t-shirt day when we decided uh, to hand them out and to take a picture. And so I told the guys, I said, let's look as silly as we possibly can. And they have no trouble with that. Uh, the motto in our, cl our class is learning must be fun. And so they are having uh, fun, okay? Yeah. This is Tim taking the message on the road. I think I mentioned last year that I was moving out of administration and was going to move more into personal discipleship. Uh, what that has um, morphed into is holding pastors' conferences uh, around Uganda. So a number of weekends, I and some of my faculty brothers go uh, up country. Uh, and we hold a conference on a Saturday, uh, biblical and theological conference, and then on Sunday we preach in different churches. And so we've been doing quite a bit of that. That's our ABU band. Uh, this is, I was telling you about this um, mission, uh, mission started by Ugandan people and uh, run by Ugandan people, uh, and I forget the town but they have about 400 students, and their graduates go to university, many of them. Some of them are starting to come to Africa Bible University. The fellow on the far right, his name is Timothy. The fellow in the middle is Timothy, and the fellow on the left is Alfred. And I don't know the names of these little guys, but they just came and jumped all over us. Uh, yeah, it was a wonderful moment when they came and did that, and somebody said, we've got to get a picture of this. So there were... There we are. Uh, this is a Sunday school class or some kind of biblical class. Okay. Well, go back to it. I want to just mention something about it. It's all right. Nope. Uh, notice the walls. You get my idea? You see, you can have a class anywhere, and they're having a class wherever they can have a class. And so they all gather outside and have this class. And it's... Pastor, would you give me the uh, three-minute stop, Tim, and give me, tell me when I've got three minutes left. Okay, we have to go. Okay, we'll go a little bit faster, sweetie. Yeah, and George started a library. I think I mentioned that it's not a reading culture, but our graduates go out as readers, and they are convinced that people need to read. And so, you know, 
many of us uh, contribute books to this, but th these are these are. It's a reading room, so the children. If you start with the children and give them a love for reading, it it will change things. And our motto is this: readers are leaders. Okay. I didn't come up with that. Well, I, I thought I did, but then I read it somewhere else. Yeah. I come up with a lot of things that I find that somebody else already said. Uh, this is Daniel and Jalia. What a cute couple. They're dear, dear, dear people. And I've told you a little bit about them. We need to, keep, we need to go, honey. Yeah. And many of them, again, would be Muslims. Oh, and did we mention that Daniel is an artist as well as Jalia, but Daniel really emphasizes preaching and teaching and evangelizing, so on their breaks he preaches the Bible to them and tells them about Jesus. And because they're all Africans and they all understand the cultural things, he just knows how to do that really well. And the Lord's been blessing. Many of them have come to faith in Jesus. This is Kenny McKenzie. He's our token Scot. And... Uh, I love this guy. He built ABU. He built the campus. He's a dear personal friend. He is a real Presbyterian. He's a Scottish Presbyterian. And he's an elder in his church. So Kenny and I have become fast friends. This is Wilson Okada. I told you about him a moment ago. Uh, Kenny's church has funded a lot of this uh, school and church. And this is it. This is it painted. It looks better than I thought. Oh, Wow. Yeah, I went to the, the part that, that uh, I preached at the part that's under development. These are the children. And if I may, just notice this child. This child has a stage presence. We'll see her again. There she is. Like, I mean, who cannot love this? Ah, but there's hope written all over her little face. And so they're giving him something to drink. We need to keep going, honey. Uh, and this is his church. This, I preached, I, I'm not tall enough to stand up there and show, but where those people are back in, that, back in that room, I think that's the doorway, and it just goes back a little bit. So it's very small, and they jam-packed in there, and I had on my proverbial bow tie, which they, they don't have bow ties much in Uganda. I'm trying to start a new uh, movement. Um, so anyway, we had a great day uh, that, that Sunday. Um, this is... This guy uh, on my, uh, to the right, as you face, he's a South Sudanese fellow. And he was almost killed in South Sudan. He was shot at. And they, they're, they, they, they're, uh, uh, it's war, and it's very dangerous to live there now. So a number of the South Sudanese have come to Uganda, which the, is peaceful, and there's a refugee camp. And so Thomas just graduated. On the day Thomas graduated, he went to the South Sudanese camp. He has set up life there to, to, to have a church and to minister to the, to the people. And, and so, I mean, he went with nothing. So I'm, I'm taking, I've, I've got a little money that's been apportioned to me for this. I'm going to take money back and help him get established with a, a residence and, and this sort of stuff. But this is... This guy, uh, uh, if you had been there to hear him preach, he was in my preaching class this spring, and I, I just love this young man. Uh, but if you had been there to hear him preach in chapel, um, he didn't ramble. He was very clear. 
He was very biblical, and he took us through Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and developed that beautifully to teach us the, the, the theology and the biblical expressions from the Apostle Paul. And so he's gone now to, to the refugee camp to, um, to establish a church. I know he'll establish a school to go along with it, and there are a couple of other South Sudanese guys that are working with him there. Uh, no, go back to him. I want to say one more thing. Yeah, go back. I just want you to know his, notice his outfit. This is a man who has heart and panache. And if you notice my shoes, Cherry wears, you didn't wear them today. Uh, we wear red chucks sometimes, especially on Friday. It's Red Shoe Friday. And we started, again, trying to start a Red Shoe Friday movement on campus. But the students really get a kick out of that because we're very serious but we also like to have fun and be a little silly. And so that's our way of, of, uh, of uh, blending together more. This guy on the right, his name is Sunlight. Before he came to African Bible University, he'd already started about 10 churches. Okay, he's married, and, and, but he came to ABU for four years. He's graduated now. He's an excellent speaker. Uh, he's now a, a pretty good theologian. And um, that's Thomas behind him smiling with a Thomas. Sometimes they knock out a tooth there. And, and uh, that's part of their culture. But that's Thomas behind him. And so Sunlight is preaching to these, I think it's mostly kids. Wearing a Spy Solo t-shirt. Yeah, wearing a Spy Solo t-shirt. And there he is again. I'd never known anybody named Sunlight. When he introduced himself, I thought, wow, that's a pretty cool name. Uh, this is Paul Magala. Paul graduated a, a couple of years ago. And Paul also has a real desire to uh, uh, minister the, the word of God so that it grows and uh, people, it, so that it becomes infectious among the people. And so talk just for a second about their uh, business. Well, when Paul came to uh, ABU, when we introduced those prospective students, they have to give a credible um, testimony. And he did. But he realizes now that he really wasn't saved uh, at the time. But he could say that ABU, and now he's out I usually don't speak to this many people when I go out, and there he is. And he's also uh, in missionary training. <laughs> so we're real proud of Paul. Okay. This is Rogers. He's our pastor. I told you about Rogers. He's with the African Center for Apologetics Research. And he says, my role as a researcher on contemporary religions is to inform, inoculate, sensitize people about the dangers of false religious groups in Africa. And there are, they, they, they are many. Uh, quite often people ask me, why do you always look for the bad things about other people's churches? My answer is always that these bad things are bad enough to send people to hell. Shouldn't they be warned of the consequences of being part of such groups. And we're, we're not talking about intramural things between evangelical Christianity. We're talking about actual cults. And so and they, they, they poison the minds of the people. And th this is the, the manual that they've come up with. Um, this is
Kennedy will have more impact over his lifetime than I would ever be able to have, as well as Roger's. This is Isaac Ephraim, and he is in South Sudan. And he's, after he graduated, he went back, back to South Sudan. He comes and visits with us occasionally at ABU, but he's doing a great work, and he's, he's, an, he's a pastor. And, and, and this is an out, outdoor class. Uh, this is Peter Zatande, and Peter was one of my brightest, brightest students, uh, really hungry to learn. He's gone on. He married Ines uh, Violet. He's gone on to get a master's degree, and I, he'll probably end up with a doctorate at some point. He's just academically inclined. Sweet guy. Yes, you see, if you don't turn your paper in on time, you're reduced to grade points from a B to a C or an A to a B, and he took that seriously. Some don't, but he does. This is Patrick Bungoli. Patrick graduated several, I think four, four years ago or so. He worked for ABU for a while in administration uh, as a promoter for African Bible University. He is a, he's a promoter. He just has the heart of a marketer. But his heart was not in marketing. His heart is in with children. And so he worked for us for a couple of years, and he did we could see that he was just more interested in children and children's ministries than, than, than promoting African Bible University. So finally, we let him go full-fledged with his children ministry, and which he had wanted to do. He just needed employment, so we were sort of uh, somewhere to light for a while. But this guy is having an impact. He started a school. His wife is a li married this beautiful girl who's a librarian, and Patrick speaks really well. He's really bright. He uh, wasn't my very best student because he was so busy involved in ministry in, in, at, at African Bible University, but he did fine. Uh, and he, he is a real activist for Christian ministry. And again, he's simply trying to infect the children uh, of East Africa with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in biblical training. And he, he again, will do way more in his lifetime than I could ever do over there. Uh, this is Upoki. Upoki. Uh, he is in the Congo. He's Congolese. He works largely with the um, pygmies in uh, the Congo. I think we've mentioned him before, and we want to continue to mention him. He just needs prayer and encouragement. But, but, but the people in his area, the Congolese people, do not... Many of them do not believe that the pygmies are human beings. So, yeah, they enslave them and all sorts of things. He has a heart for these guys, and so he's built a church and building a church, and he's trying to build a base of ministry there 
where he can go into the jungle and work with the pygmies. He's worked in getting them fresh water and in other things. And so he, he, it's, a, it's, a, it's just, he wants to send pygmies to African Bible University one day. So he's started church, school. It, it's phenomenal. Yeah that, that, and, yeah, that becomes his ministry base and financial base to be able to go and do that work. Um, this is Pastor Solomon Okello. He graduated a couple of years ago. Now, he has on blue shoes. I'm going to have to talk to him about that and get him some red ones. But uh, uh, Solomon went up to the north, and he planted Community Presbyterian Church, and um, he would fit just fine in the PCA. In fact, a lot of these guys would if they were over here. But... Uh, you, I'll just read what he says. I believe so strongly that just as Simon of Cyrene, an African, helped the Lord Jesus carry his cross to the final destination where sin was finally uh, defeated, so shall Africa carry the gospel to its final consummation. The once dark continent is now the hub of the gospel, hence light to the world because it carries the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the idea then is if it is a, is a hub for evangelism, which it's becoming more and more, it, it needs to be biblically based and biblically true. And this is our chapel. Um, this is a light shining in a dark place, and obviously was taken at night, but that, that, that pretty well captures what we're trying to do uh, in this dark continent, that the light of the gospel will shine and change lives, change people, change everything, and that this place will be a missionary sending place all over the world from Africa. Uh, I think this speaks for itself, and that's our heart for you. Thank you very much. And this is, last quick word, this is Cherry's uh, brother. These are her siblings and her sister. Diane is her sister, and Mark is her brother. And Mark is in a nursing home, and I think that uh, Pastor mentioned him or mentioned our situation to you, maybe in an illustration in a sermon or something. But please be aware that Mark is in a nursing home. The only family he has is really is, that can do anything for him is Cherry. And so uh, we have to care for him for the remainder of his life. He's almost died three times in the last five years. He has serious health issues. Um, he has kidney problems. He's almost going to go on dialysis. We could go on and on and on with this. But his life hangs in the balance, and that Cherry was able to come for the weekend is uh, not a small thing. It's, it's, she's away from her brother for four days, and so um, it's, not a, it's not a sacrifice to be here in the sense of she didn't want to come. She wanted to come, but we have church people that fill in for her and, and, and in her absence, but they can't do it ongoing. So our situation is this that heretofore we have gone for the fall semester and the spring semester. We've never taken a missionary sabbatical because we come back in the summers and we actually come back for a few weeks at Christmas time because we don't have any classes and we're not needed. And so we sort of get our first world fix, if you want to call it that, our, our back to the U.S., which isn't always all that pleasant with the way things change here, but I won't go into that. I guess I just did. Um, but her brother needs us. 
And we believe that the Lord puts us together in families to care for one another. So I have worked with the university, um, and Dr. Robertson has been very gracious to, to say, okay, Tim, uh, you want to be here. We want you here. We want you both here. Cherry can't be here right now. But what we will do is we will compact your course work, your course load into, uh, a, for you, a quarter system. So you're, we'll jam it together, and you'll teach eight weeks in the fall and eight weeks in the spring and teach your course work in that length of time. So I'll be teaching every day a lot rather than part of the day uh, uh, for, for the full 16 weeks. So I'm still doing the same work. I'm, I'm just doing it in a shorter time. And the, the reason for that is because in Genesis chapter 2, um, it says it's not good for man to be alone. And uh, I love that because I hate to be without my wife. And I can barely tolerate eight weeks. I know military people go off for months and sometimes a year. I don't think it's healthy to do that, and I certainly have no desire to do that. So Dr. Robertson was very gracious to work with me. Uh, so we're, we're, we're still engaged with ABU. We're still doing the work. It's modified. And uh, if, you know, our, we don't pray for her brother to, to die. He is a Christian, by the way. He's a very strong testimony of faith. We don't pray for that. Uh, we pray for him to live. But his life sort of hangs in the balance, and it's not expected that he'll live a long time. So in whatever time the Lord gives him, we want to do right by him, and we think that's also doing right by the Lord. So that's where we are right now. We need prayer, uh, prayer that in our eight-week separation that I don't go crazy because I almost do. Uh, I really love my wife, and I love being with my wife, and uh, she's, you know, next to Jesus, she's my joy, and, and I hope she feels that way about me at least most days. Um, well, anyway, so I don't want to go into more detail on that, but that's our real prayer need, is to be able to negotiate this and to do the right thing, and we want to do the right. We, we're, we're committed to that because we believe it's right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
pray that you'll continue to guide them by the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.